Buckle up, it's time for That's How I Roll with Jeremiah Isley, a podcast about the games we play and the lives we live. That's How I Roll is presented by Theology of Games. Visit theologyofgames.com for the latest in tabletop gaming, news, reviews, and interviews. And now, here's Jeremiah. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 21 of That's How I Roll. I'm your host, Jeremiah Isley, and you have climbed aboard my ship, which is really just a car. Anyway, <laughs> um, here's, uh, here's today's roadmap. So we're going to talk about what's good in the neighborhood as we cruise through. We're going to do um, a drive-by review of Letters from Whitechapel by Fantasy Flight Games. And uh, we've got a little bit of feedback loop, and we're also going to stop by the corner of Thought and Conversation and talk about two-player games. Let's start with uh, what is good in the neighborhood. And first of all, uh, today is a special day because I am periscoping live. That's right. They get to see all the stuff that I cut out <laughs> and hear all the stuff that I cut out. Um, but yeah, I thought uh, we were always trying to kind of up our game with Periscope and live broadcasting, things like that. So, I mean, I've got my phone fired up. I'm doing content creation anyway. So why not just give a shot and shoot it out live for everybody to see while we're uh, while I'm recording it, kind of get a little behind-the-scenes action, a little behind-the-scenes footage, and then eventually um, I'll just shoot these up on YouTube as well, and we'll kind of start up our own show on YouTube there as well. So I don't know. I hope you guys enjoy it, and it's a like everything with this podcast, it's an experiment. Also, speaking of experiments, um, last Thursday, we started our Meet You at the Meeple uh, series with my good friend Alan Gerding of Tuesday Night Games and the Tuesday Night Podcast, and we had a blast. It was really fun. I hope you had a chance to tune in. We are working on getting the video of that up on YouTube. And um, so that should be coming up soon. So look for that. We'll tweet out links to all of that when that comes. And uh, I hope that uh, we, we've we had a few you know conversations afterwards and some emails and stuff like that. We really enjoyed it. And we all feel like we've, we're kind of onto something unique and original and also entertaining with that. So I hope that it continues to grow. And I hope that everybody tunes in. Um, and more importantly, I hope you guys come out and be a part of it at the people. And our next episode will be Thursday. Um, what is it? It's April. Thursday, April 21 at 9 o'clock. And that's at the Malton Meeple in beautiful downtown Hudson. Well, sort of right outside Hudson, Ohio on Route 91 and the corner of Seasons Road. So come out and check that out if you have a chance, because I think you'll enjoy that. Welcome to the corner of thought and conversation. Which way will you turn? 
Why not hang a right and join in on the conversation by tweeting at Theology of Games or sending an email to theologyofgames at gmail.com. Today's topic at the corner of thought and conversation is two-player games. And I just kind of wanted to bring this up because um, my wife and I are going to be getting away for a day or two soon. And... Of course, we packed some games to bring with us as we get away here in the next day or so. Um, So I wanted to kind of talk about two-player games. And now, some games are, of course, designed as strictly two-player games. And um, so they're designed to be played by just two players. But then there are some games that are not necessarily designed just for two players, but they play well with two players. And I wanted to talk about those games and definitely get your feedback because I've got to pack the game bag soon and I want to know your thoughts, your opinions on all of that. And uh, I wanted to see who's playing what two-player style. Now, some of the games that we've played in the past that work well and kind of even change the flavor of the game a bit are games like uh, like classics, like Carcassonne, I think is a great two-player game. You can pull off like crazy maneuvers with Carcassonne because you're just uh, like, okay, I'm going to build this huge city and then I'm going to wrap around and connect to this other city and it's going to be your, your castle, you know what they're called in Carcassonne. And it's going to take me like seven pieces that I have to pull. But because there's only one other person pulling, you actually have like a 50% chance of pulling off those crazy maneuvers. So we have a lot of fun with that. And um, that's a good time. And we also play a lot of Kingdom Builder, which is a fun game that plays really well with two players. It gets really crowded when you play like four or five players, which is good. But we enjoy the two-player sort of go around with Kingdom Builder and also any deck builder, Dominion, uh, Star Realms, DC deck builder, things like that. I feel like most deck builders don't benefit from having uh, more than two players anyway, so I think a deck builder is a perfect two-player game. And, well, Star Realms is is designed as that. It's designed as a two-player game to start with, and then you can expand it into more players. Few of my favorite two-player games that are designed for two players are things like uh, Warhammer 40k Conquest from Fantasy Flight Games is very enjoyable as a two-player game. Draco Magi or Draco Magi, it's this cool like fighting dragons game from uh, Robert Burke Games. Really very cool, like there's a ranged combat system and a melee combat system and you kind of play it in different phases and each card has different abilities that help out. Some some dragons are better ranged, some better are better melee. Really cool little tight, tight playing uh, two-player battle game. And of course, uh, we just reviewed Battle for Solaria by Punch It Games and that is up live on Kickstarter. Well, there's an expansion live on Kickstarter, but our review is live on Theology of Games as well. So those are some two-player games that I feel are fun two-player games, good stuff. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that as well.
Hey everyone, look! It's time for another drive-by review. Okay, today's drive-by review is of a game called Letters from Whitechapel. It's by Fantasy Flight Games. It plays two to, I want to say five players, maybe six players, and it plays, the box says it's about 90 minutes and it could be 90 minutes, it could be more, it could be less, but I would say that's a fair average for that game to play. Uh, but it's, here's the cool thing about it, it's asymmetrical. So it's an asymmetrical game about trying to find Jack the Ripper. So you're in, a, in Whitechapel, which is a district of London, and um, you're playing... One player is playing as Jack the Ripper. The other players, whether it's one, two, three, four, however many it can be, I should know that. I want to say, man, it's like up to six other players. Anyway, you are playing as part of the Scotland Yard. You're police detectives, you're constables, you're whatever, and you are trying to find Jack the Ripper. So it's... The, the board is huge. It's like this huge map of this area of London. And there are numbered spaces, which are the spaces that Jack the Ripper can move along. And there are intersection spaces, which are just black little squares, which are the squares that you move along with your constables and your, you know, your police tokens or pawns. And what happens is you play it in a series of four nights. And so the first night, Jack the Ripper places out there's, there's only a certain amount of locations where a murder can take place. And so there's these white, white uh, markers that go out, and some of them are dummies, and some of them have a red dot underneath. Then you, the police take their turn placing their, their meeple pawns around the board, and then Jack reveals which one he murdered, like which, which of the white pawns he murdered. So you know that he's there at that point in time, and a red a red marker is placed there. It's like a little tiddly wink, like clear plastic thing. Uh, from there, it gets interesting because you don't know where his movements are from that point. He records Jack the Ripper records his movements in secret. They're all concealed. Which is really interesting because now you're, everybody knows, okay, he's there. So on the turn of uh, the police, play, the police who are playing on their turns, and no matter what, you always have, I want to say it's five. I'm just going to say it's five for now because I can't remember. I should have written it, written it down before I started this, but it's five different police markers. Um, you take turns, you can move two of your squares. And then you can search for clues around you. And what you do when you search for a clue is you ask the player playing Jack, have you been on number 31, 42, whatever it is? And if he has been, he says yes, and you place a clue token there. So you begin to trace a trail of where he has been. And his goal per round is to commit the murder 
and then get back to his hideout. He has one location that is his hideout. From there, if he makes it back to his hideout, you start another round again. You place the markers out, there's a murder that takes place, the police try to pursue, and all the while you're trying to deduce what path he's taking, trying to deduce where he's trying to get to, you know, what location is he going to, and and then you continue to pursue him. Once you feel like you may know where he is, you can say, I'm making an arrest at one of the adjacent spaces that you're at. Like if it's um, if it's right next to you, you can say, oh, I think you're here, I'm making an arrest. And if you do, then the police win the game and they all win together and Jack loses. If Jack makes it through four nights, committing a total of five murders, he wins the game if he makes it back to his hideout on that fourth night. Uh, so that's, that's a little bit of our Letters from Whitechapel plays. It is super cool. It plays really, really well. Um, the police are just racking their brains. You're exploring the possibilities of the paths that he's taken. You're spread out all over the city, so you're trying to move your, your pieces in to sort of create perimeters and try to figure out where he's going and where he's been and um, we played it there were three of us that were playing the police and one player who was playing Jack and it took us to the third night but we did figure it out and we did arrest him and it was just so fun because there's there's a little bit of chance for like quarterbacking and things like that but for the most part everybody's kind of putting their heads together and saying, well, if we go here, we can cut off this route, we can cut off this area of the city, we can rule that out if we can find XYZ number of spaces that he has been to or he hasn't been to. And it just makes for a really, really interesting and immersive game. It's a lot of fun. I really, really recommend it. Um, and I just think if you're into games like that where like there's one player that just kind of likes being the secretive it's kind of like um oh gosh not XCOM. there's a plaid hat game it's totally escaping me right now there's another game that has that sort of secret movement where there's aliens moving around i don't know it's a sci-fi themed game anyway good good times i really recommend it um and i i don't have a copy of it but uh, i might be picking it's time for the feedback loop get in on the conversation by tweeting the show at theology of games or emailing theology of games at gmail.com okay it's time again for the feedback loop and just a little bit today for the feedback loop um, we had a great time at the Meeple, and as if you listen to episode 19, I had my good friend Alan Girding on, and we talked about our show that we started at the Meeple, the Malted Meeple, and so did Jim, who is the proprietor of the Malted Meeple, and we talked about, well, hey, if we do games that they don't have in their library there or whatever... Maybe I would assume they're going to put them in their library if it goes over well, if there's good response to it. And he conferred that. We talked with him. He said, yeah, I heard what you guys were talking about. Definitely. If there's a game that comes on the show, Meet You at the Meeple, I will for sure 
make sure it gets in the library here. They're expanding what they do retail-wise as well, so they'll put it in their retail library and that sort of thing. So uh, shout out to Jim for that. Thanks for listening. Thanks for contributing to the conversation. And that's all the time I have today. I just got home. Um, Just a couple of things real quick again. Would love it, love it, love it if you subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Um, Hit us up with a review and a rating. That helps us get seen by more people. That helps this podcast get more popular and makes it possible for me to do. So that's super awesome if you would do that. Take a minute to do that. Also, find us on Facebook, on Twitter, on all those things at Theology of Games. Check out TheologyofGames.com. Be a part of the conversation today. I want to hear your favorite game to play with two players, whether it is an actual two-player game or not. I'd love to hear what you guys have to say about that. Thanks to everybody that contributes on a regular basis. I'm Jeremiah Isley, and that's how I roll. Thanks for rolling with us today. That's How I Roll is produced by Jeremiah Isley and brought to you by Theology of Games. If you liked what you heard today, take a minute to subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes. Thanks for tuning in and drive safe. Tune in next time when Jeremiah will say, This will be edited out of the podcast.